the Pope has finally done it. He has extinguished hell. During an interview with the Argentinian paper Perfil, the Pope was asked about his view of hell and his interpretation of it. And when you see his answer, we see exactly where the Pope stands in contrast to what our creator himself has said in the person of Jesus Christ and through the scriptures as a whole. Now, I will link this down below, but you can go back and you can read it for yourself and we'll go through it and you can uh, see for yourself what Pope Francis says. The question is, what is your own interpretation of hell and paradise and what happens to people who go to hell and what about those who go to paradise hell is not a place if you are going to attend the last judgment and you see the faces of those who go to hell you get scared if you read dante you get scared talking about dante's inferno but they are media representations hell is a state there are people who live in hell continuously I don't say this for the people who suffer, the people who suffer, but for those who make a world of evil or sickly self-referentiality and end up living in hell. Hell is a state. It is a state of the heart, of the soul, of a posture towards life, values, the family, everything. There are people who live in hell because they are looking for it. There are others who don't, who suffered. And who goes to hell? to that hill, to that state. He is already living from there. If you ask me how many people there are in hell, I answer you with a famous sculpture of the Cathedral of Desley. I don't know if from the 11th to 9th century south of France, there's a famous capital. The columns have capitals, which was a way of catechizing at that time through painting and sculpture. And that capital has Judas hanged and the devil pulling down. And on the other side, they have the good shepherd, Jesus, who grabs Judas and takes him to bap up with an ironic smile. What does that mean? What That salvation is stronger than condemnation. That capital is a catechesis that has to make us think. God's mercy is always at our side. And what God wants is always to be with his people, with his children, and not for them to leave. Now. As a Christian, that is really mind-blowing because Jesus himself called Judas the son of perdition. One, if you go back and you read Matthew chapter 26 and 27, uh, Luke chapters like 22, 23, during uh, the Last Supper where he says that none of his disciples are lost except the son of perdition, as well as in the Gospel of John chapter 17. And so it is really interesting to see the Pope say this. But this is also very indicative of the times we live in because Jesus tells us himself that there was going to arise or that there is going to rise up a false prophet. And when we look at the book of Revelation specifically, we get a clear depiction of this as well as we get to see what Jesus says about hell and if it is a real place because the Pope is supposed to represent Jesus. And if Jesus is the master and the Pope is contradicting his Lord, his Savior, his head, then Jesus isn't wrong. The Pope is wrong. So let's look at Revelation chapter 13. In this chapter, we read about both the Antichrist and the 
uh, false prophet and they are given or Jesus uses symbolic depictions in order to help us to understand uh, who they are, what they are, what they represent. And so here we see the rise of the end times false prophet. He is going to be the religious leader of the world, so to say. He's going to be the main religious figure of the world that's leading all the world religions um, in some way, shape, or form. And so starting in verse 11, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. If you go back to Revelation chapter 12, you can find out who the dragon is as well as I have a video talking about the dragon, um, and I will link that down below. But it says, he had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. If you're not familiar with it, Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God. Go to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Uh, Jesus is called the Lamb of God because God used lambs as sin sacrifices. He used, uh, they took the place of those who had committed sin, committed error, got out of God's will, out of alignment with God. And the pure blood of a lamb was to take the the life of the lamb was to take the life, uh, take the place of the person who had committed sin because God is totally pure, totally holy, set apart from anything that is impure, uh, impure, unclean. And so God used the blood of animals to cover our sin. That way he could be close to us until he brought his perfect lamb, the Messiah, for because only a human could stand in the place of a human in order to take away sin. And so our creator came down as Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is called the Lamb of God. He would be the sacrifice for our sins because sin requires, uh, it requires a punishment in the presence of our totally spotless creator. And so it says he had two horns like a lamb, but he sounded like a dragon. So he looks like Jesus Christ. He represents Jesus Christ. But he sounds like the devil, the dragon. Like I said, go back, read Revelation 12. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf, talking about the Antichrist and his kingdom. Go back and read the first uh, part of Revelation 13, as well as go read Daniel chapter 7. If I have a video uh, where I cover that, I'll link that down below. Uh, he exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and compels the earth and those who live in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He also performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of people. He deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs that he is permitted to perform on behalf of the beast. The, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the sword wound and yet lived. He was permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause who would ever not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so what ends up happening here up to this point is that this false prophet, this person, this individual occupying this office, this position that is supposed to represent Jesus Christ, he teams up with the Antichrist. They are working hand in hand. You have one that is working the spiritual religious side, and then you have one that's working the political governmental side of it. Verse 16, and he requires everyone, the false prophet, this, this lamb 
that sounds like a dragon, and he requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of his name. And so one of the one of the things in verse 15, it says that those who will not worship the image of the beast, this this person, this individual is going to cause them to be killed. And he's going to be the cause of people having to take a mark. He's going to be in support of the Antichrist. But let's move on a little further. One thing that God says when it comes to his word, he says that we must not add anything to what he commands us. So this is Deuteronomy chapter four, verse two. He says, you must not add anything to what I command you or take anything away from it so that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God I am giving you. And this is Moses talking to the nation of Israel. And he says, you are not to add to it. Don't add and don't take anything away from it. And yet we see uh, Pope Francis saying that uh, hell is not a place. It is a state of the way a person is living their life or the type of life that they are living. And yet again, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, it says, don't add to his words or he will rebuke you and you will be proved a liar. And so we are not to add to God's word. We are not to take away from God's word. Let's keep moving on. It says in Revelation 13, now this is where it clearly identifies this lamb as this lamb that has the two horns and speaks like a dragon. It, uh, this is where Jesus identifies him as a false prophet. Revelation chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says, Then I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the dragon's mouth, so talking about Satan, from the beast's mouth, talking about the Antichrist, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they are, they are spirits of demons performing signs who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle of the great day of God, the Almighty. And so we see up to this point that our Creator says, Don't take away from my word, don't add to it. If you take away or you add, I'm going to prove you to be a liar. And so Pope Francis, one of his titles as a Pope is the Vicar of Christ, the the who's supposed to be the embodiment of Christ on the earth. Now, uh, most Protestants or people that are considered Protestant. I'm one is Pentecostal, Apostolic Pentecostal. We don't look to the Pope for headship. Uh, we look to Jesus Christ for headship and we look to those who he trains, he develops, uh, our pastors, our ministers, our leaders, our teachers. Uh, we are one big community once we have been reborn into God's family, born of water and spirit. And so we look to Jesus Christ. Our leaders point us always to Jesus Christ and to his word, not to one individual. Even in our organization, we have a general or a national superintendent, and even he is held accountable to another uh, governing body of leaders, and he is accountable to the organization as a whole, especially the American branch. We have different uh, national branches in different nations. But now let's see what Jesus Christ himself has to say about the situation. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, 
Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians and he is uh he is con he is uh conveying Jesus and he is showing how Jesus is the long awaited promised Messiah anointed king by God that God had promised the king David uh centuries beforehand and so here Jesus is talking about the end times and if you go back and I have a video on that you can check that out um but here this is the tail end of his message about the end times in Matthew chapter 24 and Jesus says I assure you this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away and so Jesus Christ himself says all of creation could pass away, but my words will never change. And this is important in, in contrasting what uh, Pope Francis is saying because of what Jesus himself says about people going to hell. In Matthew chapter 25 and verses 31 through 41, this is what Jesus talks, uh, Jesus here is talking about the judgment of people, um, whether for they lived a upright life and and they allowed Jesus to work in and through their life, to transform their life, and to prepare them for his return and the physical establishment of his kingdom on earth. I have a video about that. You can check that out as well. But here he says this, starting in verse 31, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand, and he will put the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there are those who God has prepared a kingdom for, a literal physical kingdom that's going to come down uh, that God is going to establish on this earth. Check out my video on that. Continuing on, verse 35, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Continuing on, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will also say to those on the left. So up to this point everything's been good. He said Man, you guys were you guys were rocking it. You guys were faithful. You were being a blessing to to those that you could be. And he says, how in the same way you've done it to the least of one of these born again believers, born again of water and spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, filled experientially with this with God's Holy Spirit, God the Holy Ghost, as many of us say, but God's Holy Spirit. He says, in the same way you've done this to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Now we get into what Jesus says about those who didn't align their lives with his will, with his created purpose for their lives. Verse 41, he says, 
then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So just off the bat and talking to those who did not get in, uh, get their lives in alignment with the purpose and created purpose of, of our creator for their lives. He said, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. So we see that Jesus himself references hell. He says, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so when we talk about uh, leaders, religious leaders such as Pope Francis, and he abolishes hell, he extinguishes, he extinguishes hell, essentially, that's what he does. We can see that we are dealing with an individual who what God has to say doesn't even matter. What he has to say doesn't matter. And for me personally, uh, he he doesn't seem to have maybe any real experience with our creator in Jesus Christ, because when you experience Jesus Christ for yourself, this starts to become so much more alive than I ever knew. And go check out my kind of intro video to my channel. And you can kind of see a, a, a pictorial depiction of how Jesus has transformed my life. But what do you think about what the Pope said that that hell is not a real place? I had a friend that he he we kind of had that or he had that perspective. And I was I, I knew how real God was um, because of an experience I had when I was younger. And so I, I had a very real fear and reverence of God. And so I, I wouldn't dare. I, I hope I, I could be wrong. Maybe he would tell me otherwise. But um, what do you think about that? Um, and what experiences have you had supernaturally for you to know how real our creator is, how real the supernatural dimension is? Because it is when you have those experiences, then you get to know that all that our creator has said in and through Jesus Christ and in and through the Old Testament prophets, that everything he says is real and we can see these things coming to pass in our day. So let me know what you think in the comments down below. And if there's something else you want me to cover, let me know as well. And until the next video, God bless you. May you allow the Lord to lead you and guide you and to help you to be all he created you to be. God bless you in Jesus' name.